ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome to Atlanta where the players play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Week one is in the books. Notre Dame is 2-22 and versus the top five since 1999. The luck of the Irish ran out for Brian Kelly in New Orleans. Clemson is 1-0 and life is good. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and special guest, Jarrett. We are here to recap Clemson's opening weekend win against Georgia Tech. Bit of a Monday night football uh, route for Clemson. How are you guys doing? Well, is... is- is Jared a special guest at this point, or are we just flat out replacing Cody? I don't think you'd get a lot of arguments. Cody hasn't been, yeah, Cody hasn't been on the show. Former host Cody hasn't been on the show for like 13, 14 months. So, Jared, welcome aboard. Yeah, look, like I said in the summer, it's an honor. And uh, I think we're doing okay. We haven't melted in the San Francisco heat. And I haven't, uh, you know, had a brain aneurysm trying to stop myself from telling people I lived in Phoenix for two years when they say it's hot here. Bro, it's hot here. You had air conditioning in Phoenix, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is We're true. just not used to it, so we complain. But for any, for everyone, anyone wondering, everyone wondering, yeah, it was 105, 110 degrees in parts of the Bay Area this weekend. How hot did SF get? 90, 95? We were 95 today, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ill-equipped. Usually, I would say throughout the summer, throughout this part of it, time of the year we're humming around in the like low to mid 80s so a lot of people get by without air conditioning it's not very humid here so you know gets a little hotter than that people like to complain but we're not going to complain about Clemson football well maybe we will but for the most part guys uh week one was a great weekend of football extended long weekend of football uh, culminated with the Clemson victory last night in Atlanta a lot to digest from this game so I'm glad all three of us are here to you know talk about what we observed um, it was good to see you guys to watch this game together, at least for the first half when I was with you. Um, I, I really want to dig into this game, but uh, um, kind of initial thoughts from you guys just about this first full weekend of football, because it's been a while since we've seen this many games. Well, I, I'd like to first give myself a pat on the back for not drinking too much last night and able to successfully pull myself out of bed and get to work this morning. The the Monday at Five East, uh, five Pacific time. I mean, even worse if you're on the the East Coast, I suppose, being at eight. Um, that's a tough one, especially being the first game of the year. There's there's so much hype and excitement around it. Um, I actually kind of gave myself a break in the offseason, been doing this podcast. I guess this is our seventh year, Tully. Um, and it's our eighth season. Eighth season, like yeah. I just needed to kind of clear my mind and not read articles every day. So I managed to pretty much read no articles throughout the offseason. Um, I didn't, I've listened to none of the podcast leading up to this. Um, so I really found my Zen moment and I'm pretty sure I've got all the answers because of that. I like that. Yeah. When, uh, Ben and I were walking to the boardroom, he's like, yeah, I haven't read anything. I'm just going into this. I was like, wow, that's very, yeah, it's very Zen of you to just completely trust your gut. So a true master as always. And it was a lot of fun hanging out with you all at the, uh, boardroom and uh you know raising the roof a little bit uh maybe not the first half a little bit of 
not quite nail biting, but pretty close. And then um, things kind of opened up as we went on through the game, which was very refreshing to see. Because normally last year, I feel like who we were in the first couple of plays is who we were the whole game. And this game, I feel like we slowly kind of shook off some dust. Yeah, and that I was, agree with that. That yeah. was one of the big takeaways for me. Um, I know people are frustrated in the first half um, because it just looked like more of the same from last year. But the fact that the offense and DJ in particular continued to get better as the game went along, DJ showing some swagger there on that 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 touchdown run of his, and then celebrating with Cade being like one of the first guys out there uh, from the sideline when Cade has had his touchdown. Um, that was just really great to see. And we saw none of that last year. I know we'll get into the whole QB um, d- dilemma, controversy argument that everybody's been talking about after seeing a kid in one series during garbage time. Um, but for the offense as a whole, and particularly DJ to kind of grind it out, not get down on themselves and eventually pick it up um, and play a pretty good second half. That was, that was a sight for sore eyes for sure. Agreed. Ben, I want to go back to a comment you made just about this game. This game's on Labor Day. Like, every year they have a Monday night featured game. I remember a while back it was, like, Notre Dame against Texas. That was, like, a decent high-profile matchup at that point. There were other ga- other years when it was, like, Tennessee-Georgia Tech. Like, not a great matchup that people want to see. Um, why do they start this game so late? Like, no one's working on Labor Day. Make that an afternoon game. Like, everyone's got to work Tuesday. It's just a bizarre you know, bizarre situation. I've, I've always wondered that with like Major League Baseball too. Why more of those games aren't during the day on Labor Day when people have that off of work, they can spend the day enjoying it. Um, you know, still get home at a decent hour and turn in and be ready for work the next day. So, um, I, and part of it is just that's what it is. It's prime time, right? Um, yeah. It's the only thing going on that night. Um, you know, the ACC strategically is slipping into this time spot to showcase Clemson, the best team um, in their conference. Um, so, I mean, no, it's, I, I get that, it. That, that, that's I, it. It's an money. hour sooner. I don't know that you lose any eyeballs. It's money, though, man. Sooner. Like it's all advertising dollars for TV and stuff like that, and that 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 rules everything. So um, it may be inconvenient. For us, you know, I may have to try harder to drink less, but I pulled it off. <laughs> Noble cause. We appreciate it. Thank well, you for um, your let's, sacrifice. Let's get into this game. So Clemson, uh, 41 to 10. Uh, I think ahead of the game, a few of us were making predictions on the score. Uh, some of us more optimistic than others. But I think, you know, you got to look beyond the box score in terms of, you know, what to take away from this game. But I, I don't know, guys, how many 41-point efforts did Clemson's offense put up last year? Like, maybe a couple. Um, it, it took to the yeah. Florida State game in, uh, I think, late October last year to go above 30, right? Yeah, and I think just th- this will maybe set the tone for our show tonight. You know, it's impossible for us as fans to not quickly try to compare what we saw on the field last night and what our expectations were with the 2021 season. And I think something we'll want to explore, you know, across aspects of the team will be how did this team look relative to what we saw from that position group or that quarterback or, you know, that, that specific player um, last year. And we were looking for improvement. We were looking for signs, you know, proof of concept from coordinators in this game. Would love to explore with you guys, like, as we break this game down, like how things stacked up to our expectations 
Um, but just from the top, I do think the offense, to your point earlier, Ben, maybe scuttled at the start of this game. I definitely want to get into why we think that was. Uh, but to see either the coaching staff or the players kind of find their footing uh, was definitely something, as you pointed out, we didn't see too often happen last year, but also it was just refreshing to see, period, you know, from this team. Yeah, again, it, it was something unusual. And we only have last year to compare it to it being the first game of the season. Um, so that's a – and, you know, we put up 14 points against a crappy Georgia Tech team at home last year. So that's also another big difference. I know it's a long season. There's tons of improvement um, that needs to be made specifically on the offensive side of the ball. But um, for us to compete and get back into the playoff this year, but that was a huge step forward in my mind. For sure. Yeah, the, um, I think you could tell it almost felt like they it almost felt like they were doing it on purpose where like they came out and were kind of running kind of similar packages and just kind of looking kind of similar and they were slowly streeter and then were slowly just kind of like breaking a little bit out of the mold um, to do more stuff. You know, obviously they don't want to put too much on DJ early on. That's, you know, I wish we would have seen more push from the offensive line. We will probably talk about, but you know, first couple of uh, run plays, I saw we were kind of getting nothing. And yeah, so that's another thing that needs to get fixed. But yeah, towards the end of the game, it felt like they were def I definitely saw some creativity where I think McFadden like kind of cut in and kind of like blocked towards, you know, the linebackers and then like cut out almost like a wide receiver kind of doing like a slant and out route to give, uh, you know, like a blocker for either DJ or one of the running backs. So you did see some wrinkles start to come out and then more tight end play over the middle. So we're definitely not going to have to wait all season like we used to with Tony Elliott. So I'm looking forward to that. I do think Jarrett, to your point, like we did see, start to see some of that playbook open up a little bit as the game progressed. I don't think like it's, it's, I want to prevent myself from like jumping to too many conclusions from this first game. Like there's plenty more of this, this offense, like we've not seen, uh, let me start that over. I don't think we've seen everything that this offense has to display at this season. Like that's an understatement. I don't want to overreact to what we saw in this game. Um, but yeah, it, early signs, like we, we didn't see a full on air raid attack in this game by any means. Uh, but I think there's reasons, reasons for that. You mentioned kind of breaking DJ and we've got a couple of very important matchups coming up. NC State at the end of, I think it's like October 1st or 2nd, something like that. Wake Forest is coming up. Um, coaching staff is still feeling out, like, what what do they have in a real live game situation against, you know, a power five defense? Uh, how does that line hold up? How does DJ hold up? How do the receivers handle, you know, what they need to do? Um, so, yeah, I think from a playbook perspective, um, pretty balanced attack, 40 rushes, 38 uh, passing attempts on this, um, on the, in this game. And that the, the game kind of evolved. It was close at points you know, and all of that. And we still saw kind of a balanced attack. So um, if we're going to start with just talking about the expectations from the coordinators, I think one of the things we would have said at the start of the year was we're really looking for them to show in-game adjustments, um, you know, really activate that, that good rushing attack with a, with a stacked running back room um, and find different ways to get DJ involved in the offense. And I think, you know, in this game, I got to say that, that they impressed me. Yeah, I think so. It goes back to what I said is we saw consistent improvement <clears throat> on the, um, from the offense throughout the game. And a lot of that has to do with the, the evolution of the play calling throughout the game. And I know we've been frustrated with Tony Elliott in the past 
in that regard. I mean, one of the struggles, and you've seen this talked about in you know many of the articles you've probably read, um, about DJ and his abilities not really fitting the mold of what a Clemson quarterback needs to be in this offense, right? He's more of a pocket passer, um, deep threat with a strong arm. He's not that that mobile and agile. I know he lost 25 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever, but um, didn't seem to make him any faster. Um, the word lumbering was used and herky jerky was used. You know, I've heard some of those to describe him uh, moving around, but he said in the post game, he, he's like, I got to lift my knees up more. So he, maybe we'll see him kind of be a little more like we know he can be. The guy's like 13 rushing attempts from DJ and not, maybe not all of those were design runs, but um, I was saying I'd love to see him get to 10. I'd be really I'd be thrilled if he was involved toward toward a number like 10 in, in these games. Just, you know, if there is that threat, even if, again, he's not, you know, Kelly Bryant burning down the field, um, that does change what linebackers can do dropping back into coverage. Like there will be points of this season where that is that the threat of that run is going to impact, you know, downfield receiver matchups. Yeah, and listen, he did get it was more decisive in, in his decision to, to run the ball in this game. And that was a big uh, sticking point coming out of last year where he was very indecisive and hesitant to run. He was not so in this game. Uh, at times I do wish that he would just kind of put his shoulder down to run through people instead of uh, trying to juke them. It take, it seems like you can start to see the, 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 the thought process begin in his head that he's going to juke somebody. And it takes about five seconds for that message to get from his brain to his feet. Um, <laughs> by that time it's too late and by that time yeah everybody know, knows what's happening and, and you know what we've got depth this year so <laughs> injury mm -hmm. is not um, as big of a concern obviously we don't want him to get injured but he doesn't need to be quite as careful um, so there's a lot to be desired there he's no Deshaun Watson obviously even Trevor Lawrence ran above expectations um, when he came in we all see what Cade is going to be able to do. And that's just not who DJ is as a quarterback right now and really ever. So I think um, as long as he is the starting quarterback, which I do project he will be for the foreseeable future uh, this season, I think it's up to Streeter to game plan around that um, and use his best tools to craft this offense. Yeah. It almost felt like he had, um, and maybe even the offense of a whole, but definitely DJ kind of had like PTSD from last season like all of last season, you know, he just felt kind of like a little tight at first, uh, you know, kind of running. He kind of decided to run and kind of just like not look like he was getting anywhere. Um, but most of the passes, there was only one or two passes where I verbally shouted, like, what the hell was that? Um, but so we're, we're hoping for the best. We're, we're pulling for the guy. And he was able to shake that slow start right he had enough mm -hmm. confidence to battle through that whereas last year he wouldn't have um, mm -hmm. we would have sputtered all game long and so his ability to do that shows a growth in his confidence his maturity level um, himself as a leader on this football team and I think he's confident in the fact that the coaches have confidence in him and that helped him kind of flourish and, and play better as the game went on and that's even with wide receivers dropping balls like that is not his fault. Bo oh. Collins dropped a couple balls. EJ Williams dropped balls. Like DJ made some spectacular passes in this game. He put some balls into dropped some balls into some really tight windows. And we weren't mm -hmm. seeing that last year from him. Now it's up to the wide receivers to go up and catch the ball, right? Plenty of talent out there, but 
this isn't 2018's wide receiver core, 2016 and 2015's wide receiver core. Maybe on paper, the talent level is comparable, but the product on the field hasn't been. I mean, Jerry, you mentioned maybe three, four, five Aaron throws in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you had some receiver drops, et cetera. I mean, this is game one. Like, yeah. in any season, if DJ was like mm-hmm. the man, if he, DJ, if 2020 DJ showed up here, he mm-hmm. would probably still have this type of a type of a start where there's like you know some kinks to work out yep trevor lawrence deshaun watson like they you know in the national championship seasons they had and even the subsequent seasons after that like there were interceptions there were you know Mm -hmm. they had rough games like this stuff just happens i am not putting him on that level with those two guys and saying like this is our championship quarterback here but Mm -hmm. again i go back to expectations and like signals that something is starting to click for this guy and that we're seeing improvement we're seeing progress that's all of us really looking to learn in this first game. And I mm-hmm. do think that we saw it. Now, I do want to ask you guys, like, what do you attribute that the first quarter struggles to overall? Like, how much of that was DJ maybe, you know, still having a little bit of that PTSD, potentially Jarrett? Or, you know, how much do you, you hang on his shoulders versus maybe some other aspects of this game or this offense that uh, might have led to some three and outs for Clemson or, or certainly no points on the board? I think the expectations are just um, so high to to see that improvement, right? He's had to spend this entire offseason uh, dwelling on on last year and all the disappointment from the Clemson fan base. Um, and now he's got a, a legitimate, you know, five-star quarterback pushing him, which he did not have last year. And so that builds up a lot of expectations. So I do think, you know, you got some butterflies at first. Um, yeah, but I think his 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 maturity and experience shown through in the in way in in the ways in which he was able to battle through that and then really start to pick it up as the game went along. I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I think it's just kind of like nerves, um, knowing there's a lot on the line, knowing the history of, you know, an incumbent quarterback and a five star freshman behind him, you know, all that stuff. So like. Ben said earlier, like, I, I think it really is a measure of his confidence now that like he started shaky and last year that would have kind of kept him down the whole game. And like this year he battled through that because he knows who he is. Um, you know, there's also like, I want to, I believe in Thomas Austin. I like the new recruits that are coming in. I like guys like Blake Miller and, and Colin Siler and those guys um, still want to see more of a push from the O-line decent pass protection I didn't, I was maybe overzealous and expecting like huge gaping holes for Shipley and Pace and Maffa to just like walk through, but, you know, shout out to my boy Martin on uh, Twitter, who is always wearing his fire Batson shirt and harping about strength and conditioning, you know, moving away from the powerlifting Louis Simmons conjugate lifting system that we use and go into like Olympic lifting style that like every other elite program like Alabama and everybody uses. So I don't think we'll get rid of Batson for another couple of years, but you know, it is what it is. And hopefully that's not something that comes back to bite us in the butt, but um, yeah, I would love to see this O-line rip open some holes. Well, and, they, and don't put, not... they don't put pink slips in smooth hands. <laughs> but, yeah. And I'm, I, I'm not able to gauge how good Georgia Tech's defense is going to be this year. I do know that in the past, they generally do have good defensive linemen. And in this game, their game plan, as opposed to last year, where they were trying to take away the, uh, the, the downfield passing game, in this game, they were you know stacking the box to stop the run. 
And so mm-hmm. Clemson needed to adjust to that. Yes, we all wish that the ground game was better. Um, we could have got Will Shipley some more touches. He had 4.2 yards of carry, which is healthy. That's good. It's no eight that ETN was <laughs> racking up his last yeah, his entire career here. <laughs> Bill Moffa came in when we needed him and just he's such a great downhill runner um, mm-hmm. in knocking people over. So that was good to see. Again, I expect all these things to get better. You're, you're right, Jared. Like, but For sure. It's, it's, we do have offensive linemen returning, but they're also in different spot, spots, right? Like Walker Parks moves inside. Blake mm-hmm. Miller, the true freshman, um, out on the edge. Um, Will Putnam at center. A um, mm-hmm. couple bad snaps, but overall played a pretty good game. And that center position last year was like in flux all season, right? Um, yeah. And that's why they didn't uh, switch out for second string until like, pretty much Cade came out like they're really just giving the whole game to gel together. And I was, it was very interesting to see that. I think especially um, at right guard there with the true freshman in that it kind of speaks volumes to the coaching staffs. Um, they're not quite really being confident in the depth there that they left him out there that long. You know, you saw Marcus Tate last year mm-hmm. starting the first game against Georgia and just getting abused um, at, at, um, left guard, yeah, left guard left there, guard. and yeah. that kind of ruined him for a little bit. Well, it ruined the entire offense. Um, <laughs> and I think the next game he was immediately replaced as the starter. So, um, I mean, the coaching staff stuck with Blake, and uh, he's going to learn from that experience, and he's going to get better. Um, and I think again, you got to give this offensive line some time to gel. Now we said that all last year, and they never really <laughs> <laughs> started to gel. Yeah, but it is a new season. We've got guys kind of moving around. You know, you've got your anchor, uh, Jordan McFadden, out there at left tackle. Um, and a bunch of other guys that do have a, a healthy bit of experience behind Yeah, them. I thought I thought they might have, uh, you know, because Miller's the freshman at right tackle, got beat on inside once or twice, outside once or twice. But, I mean, again, true freshman. Um, I was kind of surprised that they didn't bench him to move Parks back to right tackle and move someone into right guard just to mix things up or maybe, you know, shift some bodies around. But it, to me, it seems like they really want to gel that specific combination of the line as much as they can. And there was never really a cause for panic in this game. Even when Georgia Tech pulled within 14 to 10, you never really felt like this game was in danger of being lost. Um so I think that give, did get them a little leeway to stick with the game plan, stick with those guys, and just let them build momentum as the game went along. Um, first game of the year, we got a couple cupcakes coming up next before we get into um, more cupcakes in the ACC. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a long season. They'll have time. We'll see how you know they're going to get some confidence, and um, we'll see a bunch more backups against Furman coming up this weekend and then La Tech mm-hmm. after that. Um, but after those first three games, I think – um, into that fourth game, I think it's Wake Forest after that. Yep. Um, we're going to have a good sense after that game of, of what this offensive line is looking like. Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to ask you guys, like, the, the cynics' view, I guess, of this offense in this first game um, is going to say things like, look, an elite quarterback would rise above O-line struggles and that rust, and they would find a way to will this team to victory and get, get better play out of all these guys have a little bit better pocket presence, have a little better vision of the field, elevate his team, elevate his receivers, you know, and be a champion from the start. I, I don't really know about all that. I, 
I don't know that we don't have that in DJ either. I think mm-hmm. it, there's just so many new elements to this entire team and this entire offense. You mentioned the guys starting new positions on the O-line. Um, DJ is taking his play calls from a new signal caller who himself has a new passing game coordinator he's working with. I imagine the playbook is revamped from Tony Elliott. Probably not a complete overhaul, but certainly revamped. I think this stuff just does take time. Now, going into the NC State game, if we start to feel like we've felt the ceiling and this offense is plateaued by that point with DJ as the quarterback, then yes, let's start to question these things about, you know, what the ceiling looks like with him or, you know, can he elevate his teammates? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just happy to see like DJ elevating his own play in this one. And, And I don't think any of us are making excuses for him by calling out O-line struggles, inability to get the running game going, which challenges, you know, the pass. Um, We've kind of alluded to wide receiver drops here going on. but And and not being able to get open. Yes, separation. So I just think Collins on his couple drops, at least he got open. Um, And uh, to to Bo Collins and and EJ Williams' defense, um, they both missed a lot of time in the spring, um, particularly Mm -hmm. when a lot of this playbook was being installed and the concepts on this offense. And so just getting back up to speed here um, in the fall, um, that's some, um, you know, that's a good bit of practice and yeah, practice that they missed. It almost feels there were times that they showed where they would run the routes and just stop and look back at DJ. And it almost seems like maybe the receivers kind of almost there's maybe a little bit of caution of like, okay, I'm going to finish this route, but like, is he even going to be, is he even going to have time to throw? Is he going to check it down? Um, I don't know if I'm looking into that or whatever too much, but I did you guys see that? There was definitely one or two plays where they showed the receivers get over the middle of the field. They were going to beat the defender, and then they basically stopped running the routes and turned to look at DJ, well, like that, completely stopped. I did see that, Jared, and that just brings me back to like 2019 LSU, where their O-line was not great that year. Like Burrow was scrambling for his life a lot. Those receivers would run their routes – not, the ball wouldn't come out because Burrow's scrambling back there, but then they would go get open and he would find them. Like that is, that's where we need to see these receivers get. It's and like, now those right. receivers are starting in the NFL. <laughs> yes, and I don't right. see one NFL starter on this team quite yet at the wide receiver position outside of Antonio Williams. Outside of Drew Sweeney, the guy. And oh yeah. Looked <laughs> like a million bucks. Oh Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I do Clay, think, sorry, just Clay, talking, Sweeney. Clay Sweeney, Clay Sweeney. No, it was I Drew think, that, that was making the catches in this game. Yeah, Drew, Drew, Drew pulled in those. No, those Will two. graduated. My God, How do we not have our straight. Sweeney family tree down? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where, I got to look at my Sweeney tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> the, crest, <laughs> the family crest. <laughs> yeah. um, what I was going to say, though, is just in terms of expectations for this year, I do think this is a critical year for Tyler Gresham, wide receivers coach for Clemson to he's got some four-year guys three-year guys that have been in hit under his wing for that amount of time obviously we saw some true freshmen last year emerge and show show signs of you know sh- signs of efficacy working with dj uh, but i think this is a year a lot of people are expecting this position group to establish itself and it has been a couple of years since we've seen a reliable playmaker let alone a guy that can get drafted you know emerge so critical year for grisham don't know what marks you guys would give the receiving effort in this game um you know some some good catches certainly i think you guys mentioned bo collins good to see ej williams back on the field i think he's still got that amari rogers level heavy knee brace on which we know affected Mm -hmm. amari rogers shiftiness and speed overall 
but yeah, I'm, I'm at the point. I mean, we, I, I do want to mention of Antonio Williams, breath of fresh air coming out, you know, as a true freshman in this game. We also have Adam Randall, who was apparently mm-hmm. ready to go. He Guys, was ready to go. Point, <laughs> right. I'm at the point where this, not, not just this firming game, but losing attack Wake Forest, who does not have a potent defense, like mm-hmm. best, you know, get these guys out there. I mean, 13, 14 guys caught balls in this game. Um, Let's get, let's get these guys out there and then may the best man win at this, at these position groups. I just think Antonio Williams has proven himself and he probably needs to start in that slot. I mean, listen, Brandon, Brandon Spector, we've all felt since early on that he was going to be a really good wide receiver, obviously battled some injury issues uh, missing last season. And now just getting back, you, you got to love his experience going out there. Obviously not surprised that he starts over Antonio Williams in that game. Now, how, how far into the season does it take for Antonio Williams to take him over? It was interesting to see Antonio come in during that two million, two minute drill, at the end of the first half. And it really sped up the offense, which was mm-hmm. really great to see. Um, but my bigger thing, going back to your comment about Tyler Grisham, it's the fundamentals that have been lacking in these wide receivers, guys that have been here for a long time, like your Ngatas, your EJ Williams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bo Collins, his second year in the program, and why we're still having these issues with drops and not finishing routes or continuing routes, um, you know, when DJ's scrambling, blocking on the edge. Now, Ngata had some good blocks on the edge in this game. He had, I don't know how many targets he had. He had one catch for seven yards, and... Mm-hmm. This offense, especially with DJ's arm and, you know, the the desire to go downfield, you need an alpha dog nine receiver. And that's mm-hmm. what Ngata should be. He's got the physical frame, the body and everything for that. And it's been disappointing that we just haven't seen it click for him. Now, whether in this game it was his his fault, DJ wasn't finding him, um, or is he just being covered well? I don't know. We're not going to write him off after the first game of the year, but that's a guy that at this point you really, really need to start uh, seeing have an effect on this game, on this offense. Yeah, I agree. And I'm less, I'm not really impressed that a freshman Rob receiver comes in and like cooks and looks really good and, you know, is explosive. It's like, I'm not impressed by that. And because what I want to see from our coaches is like, Hey, let's take a guy that's like pretty good and make him elite or let's go, let's make him, you know, great. And, you know, take him to the next level or even a guy that's like, ho-hum, you know, whatever. And then make him into something special. Like that's what the coaches should be doing. And that's what you saw, you know, Jeff Scott do with, you know, all of the receivers that, you know, we could list for, you know, 20 minutes that came through here wide receiver, you Mike Williams and Sammy and like all those guys develop and, you know, improved for the most part. Yeah. We're not um, so, wide receiver you anymore. Wide receiver, high school, wide receiver, Juco, man. <laughs> it's not wide. receiver. Yeah. I did. I did see some perimeter blocking. I saw some from Brinning stool. I can't remember which wide receivers cause I haven't actually rewatched the game yet, but yeah, I did see some, it doesn't mean that they were doing it all the time, but I w- didn't see a Joe, a Joe, just like watching people walk by him, you know, and you're not gonna this year. <laughs> Once you tune into a USF game. <laughs> yeah. Well, their defense was watching guys run by them into the end zone repeatedly in that USF game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and again, it is early, like still opportunity, a lot of coachable moments in this game for the receiving core and a lot of other players. So uh, again, like they're starting 
starting snaps are up for grabs, I think, in that position. Um, mm -hmm. It's nice. You look at the 2 deep, you're like, yeah, I could see any of these guys slotting in here and starting. Um, obviously, it, Jared, to your point, like we have some talented upperclassmen. You would hope that they could establish themselves on this depth chart and, mm -hmm. you know, retain snaps and, you know, continue to hold it down. But if not, like, it's good we've got some talented freshmen in too. Yeah, it makes me kind of nervous though too because it's like, say – you know, Spectre gets taken over by Williams and then, you know, I don't remember which position Randall plays and say, you know, takes over for Ngata or, or whatever. Yeah. Like all these, yeah. yeah, all these like freshmen take over for the upperclassmen. It's like, what does that mean? One, for the depth and do they transfer? But two, um, does that just mean that they're going to kind of stay at that same level? And when they're upperclassmen, they're going to get taken over by like the hot new shifty guy that's, uh, you know, going on. So... Yeah, there's a lot to see. I left the I left the game feeling optimistic about the offense, and I'm glad that this happened versus Georgia Tech and not Georgia. I left the second half feeling a lot better than after That's I true. left the first half. That's true. <coughs> well, guys, could let's the, let's hit. Could have been the tequila shots, but <laughs> did not hurt. Well, let's hit the elephant in the room. So, um, end of the game. I think a lot of people are in the first half are calling like, "Hey, let's give DJ one more series," and they really got to mm -hmm. you know. Got to get Cade in there, see what they can get out of Cade. Um, I thought you were going to see DJ in there for the first half, sort of no matter what, and give him every mm -hmm. opportunity, you know, even with stall drives, all of that. I think the coaches were also seeing what some of us were seeing, which is like, this is not all on him. This is, mm -hmm. you know, the, the right side of that line is collapsing and Georgia Tech knows it. Um, you know, there's no, no room for the running game to establish itself to maintain these drives and improve success rate. So anyway, um, DJ held in there. The game was closer than we would have liked for a stretch. I think turnovers helped. A couple surgical drives. Um, the scoreboard looks a little bit better. So then they let Cade come in. All he does is come in. And I don't know if you guys were clocking Georgia Tech's defense at that point. I imagine there were some backups in for Georgia Tech. but And the um, starters who were still in there were worn down at that point. It was the last <laughs> drive of the, of the game, right? So. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Clemson had run damn near 80 plays by that point. So, um, in any event, though, I mean, Cade looked great, but I think they were they were teeing, teeing him up on that. They were doing, you know, designed rollout plays, and mm -hmm. um, there, there were maybe one or two uh, designed runs there, but he did look great. You know, he looked in command of that offense, looked mm -hmm. very poised when he faced, faced pressure or, you know, was in close quarters with defenders. Um, a good amount of juxtaposition with DJ, like no, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. but with that said i mean i don't know there's like dj is still the guy the coaches have said it since um i don't i don't think we've seen anything from dj where he's put the job you know his command of the job in jeopardy or at risk um i do want to take a minute though like looks like we got a, a real one in cade mm -hmm. we definitely have a real one in cade he is going to be a great quarterback at clemson uh rg3 tweeted earlier today that or maybe yesterday that um, we uh, we were going to win a championship at some point with him at quarterback. And I love RG three. I hope he's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was such a low. He, he's still a free agent on fantasy. If you need him. True. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a low pressure situation for Cade to go into at that point in the game. Um, and he's freewheeling just, you know, throwing the ball up there like that doesn't play over the course of an entire game when that defense is fresh at the beginning and he's going to be prone to freshman mistakes 
Um, they the coaches talked about it in in fall camp. He had his fair share of rookie mistakes, and for that reason alone, he's going to have to prove it before you put him in a high leverage situation. Um, as long as the game is you know firmly within our control, especially with how good this defense is, um, especially with like a freaking punter who can turn the field. Um, it, praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, then there's there's every uh, there's no reason to throw him into the fire right away and just kind of bring him along slowly. He's going to get playing time. Um, if this offense continues to improve like it did in this game, and then obviously Furman and La Tech, um, we should be putting up a lot of points and he should get plenty of playing time. And against some of the other weaker ACC teams, um, he should have that opportunity as well. Now, if it gets to a point where we're playing NC State and things just aren't clicking on offense, uh, for DJ and that's a game where we feel like you know we're getting down we're getting behind and we need a spark on the offense yeah I could see him coming in in that situation because kind of what do you have to lose at that point but uh, for the time being like you can't assume he's ready like us as fans cannot see one drive mm-hmm. at the end of a game in garbage time and think oh no he's it he's clearly the better <laughs> quarterback for this football team right now is he the more talented quarterback looks like it at least for this offense, mm-hmm. but is he the best decision to put in there right now? I'm going to trust the coaching staff. I like that. And I respect that. And I definitely think, yeah, as all of us, we were kind of waiting, okay, DJ, you know, it's probably going to, if he doesn't get any points in this drive, you know, then it's Cade season. Right. And he just, you know, they had the block punt, you know, and then things just kind of picked up for them. So he, it, he's, Cade's really in a perfect situation where as long as we don't desperately need him, we can bring him along at his own pace and at our own pace uh, and, and kind of ease him into those stressful positions. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that he just looked really good and really smooth. Yeah. It's the last drive. Yeah. Everybody's tired. Um, But you know, he floated the ball right and split the coverage between the corner and the safety and it dropped right into the hands of uh, you know, the receiver and then he threw a great one to uh, one of the Sweeney kids over on the left hash that uh, he caught. And then it's really hard to ignore the fact that they called Orange Crush at the goal line for him. You know, the exact play that we won the Natty with to Renfro. Right, so like, are you guys are you guys done like fake answering these questions and fake saying like DJ has this? Because I'm ready to put on the tinfoil hat and let's get into the conspiracy theory here. Jarrett, why are they saving the Deshaun Watson playbook for Cade Klubnik here and giving DJ the Cole Stout playbook? Like, I, I've, I've heard the comments from Streeter today. Mm-hmm. We heard it throughout camp. They're not – they're stopping short of saying DJ's improved. We like his arm. We like what he's doing as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. There's – you know, they're, they're, they're being measured in their praise of DJ. Well, his talents are more like – Cole Stout, they're better than Cole Stout, but Cole Stout was more of a pocket passer. He wasn't a scrambling quarterback. And we said that at the beginning, like DJ's abilities and talents don't necessarily fit the type of offense that Clemson has been running for the past, you know, several years. Um, And Kelly Bryant was kind of like the opposite of that, right? He was a guy that could scramble and run, but his passing ability, his deep threat was just not there. And it's rare when you find a quarterback that can do both of those things, like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and what looks like Cade is going to be able to do. Um, 
So, I mean, that would be my answer to that question. You have to, again, craft your, your playbook to, to your quarterbacks, your starting quarterbacks, best tools. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you, you know, you're going to see different play calling with, with Cade versus DJ. Yeah. I mean, two quick things is that if you read between the lines between the camp and after like the camp reports and comments and then the post-game comments, it really does feel like they're setting up for saying, Hey, you know, DJ's the guy he's earned it. He's earned it, which he totally has. And then the coaches are smart. They're not going to make the same mistakes they made with Cole and Deshaun. They learned that by playing the best guy with, you know, Trevor and Kelly, they play freshmen all the time, like Makuba last year, like Marcus Tate last year when the offensive line was already thin. So they know how this game works and they are really just setting the stage to let it get settled on the field. And at whatever rate that happens, um, I think it just comes down to, yeah, it's um, they're, they're getting the playbook that plays to their strengths because they know where their limits are. And uh, I think that the, the coaches are trying to stay as hands off on making that decision as long as possible until they finally have to say something like, look, it's not anything that DJ didn't do. It's what K did do. So we're going to give him the opportunity to be that starter for, you know, this week at NC state or, you know, Notre Dame or Boston college or whatever it is. So like that's coming and that's my tinfoil hat. And the further tinfoil hat is that DJ leaves and goes to Oregon and Hunter Johnson steps in and steadies the ship. It's okay. It's ready. That's the big brain galaxy brain. So well, and then listen, we, we've seen this mistake play out before when they tried to force Cole Stout into, into an offensive system that he, he, he just wasn't, right? Um, and then lo and behold, what was that, Chad Morris? Chad Morris uh, leaves. Morris and, left, yeah. Yeah, and then what was it, the Oklahoma game where yep. – We beat the guitar uh, Elliot, out of him. Yeah, Elliot and Jeff Scott just kind of crafted uh, mm-hmm. a game plan to his abilities, and he did great. So – don't try to fit DJ into a mold, you know, a round peg into a square hole. Like, go with what you got for now, especially if he's the best option. Tailor your offense around him, but also have in your back pocket the ability to switch it up when Cade is ready and, you, and, and you're bringing him in. And D- Dabo said DJ has plans to graduate in December, so that could be another thing where they're just trying to set the stage. Like, hey, y'all, like, he's going to not be around, so don't worry. It's not a controversy. You know, I don't know, again, if that's too tinfoil hat, but he said that a bunch since summer camp or fall camp. All right, so we're going to see Cade get in to some games here, and it's there's potentially he could wrest that job from DJ. You know, if, if Ben, to your point, it's not just going to be in these garbage time moments. He's going to have to prove it against first string, refreshed players in the first half. Uh, probably not even against Louisiana Tech. It's going to need to be wake before he gets – the reins against an NC state. Um, but until that happens, so we see that happen, no change is really going to come. And I'm not confident yeah. one way or the other that DJ finishes this season as a starter or Cade takes him over. I've seen one game. Yeah. I'm not ready. Exactly. To yet. Yep. All right. Offense 41 points. We will take it. A lot of that was assisted by excellent field position, assisted by two block punts, assisted by Aiden Swanson for the most part. Uh, doing a great job at punter. Um, we won't spend too much time on special teams other than what I've already said here. Great to have BT Potter back. Not much out of the return game. Guys, at long last, let's turn to the defense. Ten points in this one. Um, 
I think a lot of us were hoping for a shutout or single-digit game, but you know, no slouch by any means from this defensive team, particularly when you consider all the ballyhoo about Brent Van Bowles leaving. Did, is Wes Goodwin a facsimile or a clone of Brent Venables? He is not. But in terms of expectations and what you're hoping to see, you know, to know that we, we do have continuity there at an elite defensive level, I think I saw enough in this game to be confident in what Goodwin can bring moving forward as a play caller. Georgia Tech, they're not the more abundant offense that we saw a lot in last year's game. Jeff Sims is healthy. He was a load to take down um, in the open field. He was connecting on some some tough passes, and I'll give their their receivers some credit. Um, they caught some pretty tricky balls against a very tough defense. So um, I don't know. You know, this is by no means a high potent, high powered potent offense that Clemson faced, uh, but still, you know, solid effort on the day from the defense. I think we saw some breakout performances from some new guys, some household names, and some potentially new positions also show out in this game. So. A lot, uh, there's a lot more good to be taken away from this defensive performance. Not mm-hmm. all perfect, though. Definitely some areas to build on that we'll talk about here. Um, but what were your guys' like initial reactions from this defense? My God, can they just stay healthy this year? <laughs> yes. You know, remember we went to the Georgia last game thinking of we could have one of the best defenses in the country or in the same boat this year, and we see the product on the field, and oh, my gosh, they're their upside is higher than what it would have been last year had, had everybody stayed healthy. Um, we, we know what we're going to get at the defensive line. Obviously it was great to see him, Brian uh, Brisset back in there and playing so well. Um, KJ Henry is so vastly improved Man. and he's being held almost every time he rushes around the edge. I mean, there's, and don't even get started on this. This has been a thing for years, but there's so many egregious holding penalties, um, on our edge rushers that are just so freaking obvious and are not being called by ACC. The loudest I ever heard you yell was yesterday in boardroom. Just yelling, they're holding KJ again. They had him wrapped around his neck. Like, and how do you miss that? He was like going at the quarterback. Like the back jug should be staring right at that. Um, anyways, and he's he's still able to to make a difference in that game. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't even have Xavier Thomas right now. So defensive yeah, line that's gonna be crazy when Trey Williams back. looked amazing, but mm-hmm. really it was the linebackers, man, just <clears throat> all over the field. Barrett Carter, Levanta Bentley. Um, Trent Simpson, like Trotter, those guys. Simpson, Simpson those was guys doing his best Nicobe Dean impressions throughout that game. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he may, I don't know. Yeah. Simpson's a first rounder at this rate. For sure. No question. Yeah. And the two of them together were on in on a bunch of the same tackles and it was just great. Like watching both of them smash the same guy at the same time. Maybe so you those, don't always want someone to be, you don't always want two defenders in the same place at the same time, but I'll take it if both of them are tackling the same guy. Jeremiah Trotter. Yeah. Um, and those are, you know, guys' names we got really excited about a couple of years ago. We've heard about, you know, and they're still really young, um, mm-hmm. most of them, but uh, they're just really high upside guys. And now they're just, you know, they've got some experience and they've got all the talent and ability in the world. And that really showed out on the field last night. That was like every time Barrett Carter, zero, zero on both sides of the ball, man. That's a lucky yeah. number for us this year. Mm-hmm. Single zero, hopefully not a, double zero. <laughs> hopefully equates to zero losses. Yeah, nice. I like that. I like that. Um, I think the one area I mentioned earlier, so I'll dig into it now. I think open field tackling from the cornerbacks left something to be desired in this one, yeah. mm-hmm. particularly Fred Davis. Fred Davis. Uh, for a guy that came in as a five-star, has had some off-field issues, 
finally we're hoping to see him put this together this year and not saying he can't and won't, but I think, you know, that is going to be a very important aspect. If guys are going to break through that linebacking core, we need coverage out of our, out of our corners to be able to clean things up. Um, we'll see again, Jeff Sims, not like a very potent arm. We'll see as we face the likes of Sam Hartman and Devin Leary, how, how Davis shows out in the past, mm-hmm. you know, past coverage game. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that, um, yeah, Sheridan Jones kind of similarly in terms of, you know, cleaning up the open field tackles. Um, how about Nate Wiggins, guys? He almost came away with that pick. That, that was an easy call pick sure. six. Yes. I mean, that's, that's why defensive secondary guys aren't wide receivers. They're just wide receivers. <laughs> you know? he, he's the name that everyone has been talking about all camp. So you can tell he was probably just really hyped up. You know, it's his moment to kind of shine. And Duncan um, tells me that's AJ not going to be the last opportunity he yeah. has this year for a pick six. Yeah, probably not. Um, probably not. But across the board, um, yeah, just a great performance by the defense. And I didn't even see like guys like Malcolm Green in there a ton in this mm-hmm. game. Um, but, you know, just looking down the list. For loss, I think. Um, yeah, just, just yeah. Looking, looking down the list, it. Mm-hmm everybody who was involved in this game like did, how much did miles murphy play he had no no stats come out of this game he had a pass uh deflection but really didn't see a lot from him it's definitely quiet on his end i don't really call seeing any re- replays like focused on him so he was either maybe getting double teamed or you know quietly putting in work because i'm assuming that he wasn't just being a slouch i mean i did see a lot of maskell though so um yeah, maybe they're just rotating guys in and out. The cupboard is not bare. No. No, no and like it wasn't the most shadow. prolific. It wasn't the most prolific. Like only two sacks on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a lot of hurry. It's a quarterback who can move, right? Right. For and sure. a good quarterback. I like Sims as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's definitely shown some progress. Uh, I, I forget if he played in the Clemson game last year. If he, if he did, he was limited. Um, but two years ago, I remember he was – he was much, uh, much hyped coming into that Clemson game where we stopped them in Atlanta. And I think more than anything else, it's just so freaking odd to see a Georgia Tech quarterback attempt 36 passes. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's, unusual. Uh, does take a little getting used to. Guys, maybe we could use this chance to talk about Jeff Collins a little bit. Uh, that's, that's a weird coach. He's probably, mm-hmm. he's probably the worst coach in the ACC. Don't you guys think? Even the Georgia Tech fans hate him. I was on the message boards last night late, uh, and all of them were just like typical Jeff Collins. You know, he couldn't coach softball, you know, all this kinds of stuff. So there's zero love lost between the fans and Jeff Collins. Well, he didn't go – they were in striking distance on the scoreboard at the mm-hmm. end of the first half, and he let the play clock run out, and then what did they – he basically let the half run out because mm-hmm. he thought Clemson would go for it on the punt. Yeah. It's like, well, trust your team to stop us then. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The dude's We're, getting fired this year. Whereas Notre for Dame sure. had the opposite problem. Um, yeah. With, with trying to move the ball there at the end of the first half for them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's such a hard job to follow in Paul Johnson's footsteps there. Um, not necessarily because he did have a moderate amount of success at Georgia Tech, but just the oh, style. The talent. 
that you're replacing. Yeah, it's yeah. a completely mm-hmm. different type of talent, completely different style of offense that he was running. Like you're you're not set up very well for success. I think it's just like yeah, one of those. Well, guys I think they he that, got the job based on vibes, right? Like he yeah. was going to change the culture and change recruiting, and he must have said all the right words in the interview, like. Mm-hmm. We're going to put up a fence around Atlanta and a fence around Georgia and keep our guys and challenge mm-hmm. UGA. And I think what he forgot to do is coach football and yeah. actually get like solid football minds on his staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there are just a lot of fundamentals that over the last couple, like three years, I guess, that Georgia Tech has not shown. I mean, the number of procedural penalties, you know, th- there are just so many times where they shot themselves in the foot. And mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to see Clemson play a pretty mistake-free game for the most part, and mm-hmm. just with penalties and things like that. And it's just such a juxtaposition with what you saw from Tech. Undisciplined. Yeah, making mistakes. I think you're right, and I think everybody kind of feels this is his last year. I mean, there's going to be, you know, there could be a whole other episode on just coaches that are in the hot seat or, you know, on the chopping block. I mean, Frost is one of them. You know, is is it already time for Brian Kelly to get fired? Because the the reporters are getting pretty mouthy in those interviews. He ain't gonna last long. You, he ain't gonna last long. That? No. that fake Southern accent isn't gonna isn't gonna help him if he doesn't guess, put wins in the win column. I guess. Hey, maybe it, maybe in our Furman recap, which should be pretty short, we can do like a coaching assessment around <laughs> yeah. the horn. I like um, that. Any parting thoughts, guys, in this Georgia Tech game? I mean, I think again, like defense looks incredibly elite. They are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we, we haven't talked about this up until this point. Clemson slipped in the AP rankings. Now moving down to number five, usurped by Michigan after they s- stuffed Colorado State. Kind of weird how much they moved up there, but um, whatever. Who cares? Like it's early in the season. I saw what I needed to see out of the defense. I re- recognize and acknowledge that it's really early in terms of the offense, getting where they need to be. We saw the right level of flashes. And by the way, we got a, a huge imp- insurance policy in Kate Klubnick if DJ is not really the guy and his ceiling is not that high. I don't think Dabo wants to squander a defense this good this season. And if, if he really believes that Kate is a division and champion, a conference and national championship quarterback, mm-hmm. we'll see him get the job. So I feel pretty good coming out of week one. I don't know about you guys. feel a hell of a lot better than I did last year. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, I think it all comes down to, and that's why the episode is structured this way. Like we had a lot to say about the offense because there's growth, there's potential, there's changes, all those kinds of stuff. And the defense is exactly like you said, they are who we thought they were. They're incredibly going to be so much fun to watch this year, flying all over the place, hitting, hitting the crap out of people, picking off balls, forcing fumbles, you know, just being swagger or having that swagger. And um, so I'm really optimistic about the season. So let's, let's just see what happens to these next two tune up games before we go play Wake Forest. Yeah. I think the big key is that even with a really good defense last year, the offense sputtered and struggled. And again, it took them till late October to put up over 30 points. Well, yeah, we sputtered and struggled a little bit in this game, but still managed to put up 41 against a conference opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't pretty, but I remember a lot of past Clemson teams that went on to do really great things that put up some big numbers, n- not playing pretty for a while. Tre- you know, you yeah. mentioned earlier, Tully, Trevor Lawrence yeah. and his, uh, you know, his interceptions that year. Um, so 
uh, we're in a lot better position than we were last year, certainly starting with a team the caliber of Georgia Tech and not the caliber of the, the future national championship in Georgia certainly helps. Yeah. Um, but a lot of confidence with this team. This team should take a lot of, away a lot of confidence moving forward, as should the fan base. And we're going to be better than last year, that's for sure. This offense is going to be better than last year. DJ is going to be better than last year. Yep. And yep. hopefully the offensive line and the wide receivers are as well. I think we have a known commodity in our running backs. Um, if we can open some holes for them, but mm-hmm. all in all, um, yeah, things are looking positive on both sides of the ball. And I just don't, last year was such an anomaly with just the myriad injuries we had on both sides of the ball. Like it was ridiculous. We have not seen something like that in our seven seasons of, of doing this podcast. Um, and so I'm not expecting that to happen happen this year obviously you're gonna have to plan for some attrition with some injuries um but just not across the board like we we saw last year so um it's a long season we're only one game in but a lot for this team to be excited about a lot for the clemson fan base to be excited about um yeah let's just keep improving game by game take it one game at a time it's good to be back We were not the only game on this weekend. I want to maybe take a moment to flip, do like a whip around across the Clemson's remaining games and opponents, because I think we learned a lot. I think, you know, we may not want to overreact to these week one games and the results, but let's do it anyway. Why not? So uh, toughest opponent on the schedule. I think coming into the year, we thought it might be Notre Dame. I thought they actually played a pretty good game against Ohio State. Uh, I think that the result of that game speaks a little more to Ohio State, maybe not being the elite offense we thought they were. Uh, but, you know, Notre Dame is breaking in a true freshman quarterback, new head coach. He was there last year with the defense, but mm-hmm. um, new offensive system overall. Notre Dame didn't light up the world where they scored like 14 points, but they held their own against a talented Ohio State team overall. And I think they're only going to get better before we play them. So what I would say against how, you know, how tough we thought the Notre Dame game was going to be maybe two weeks ago versus today after mm-hmm. week one, I'm going to call that a neutral outlook. Like, I think they're going to be probably about as tough as we would have thought in that home environment. Um, and they've got a couple months to, you know, mature that quarterback and find their footing as a team. And yeah, so my, with our offense. Yeah. My, my takeaway from that game is Notre Dame is a little bit better than I thought they'd be, specifically on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. I think that's what carried them. They scored 10 in that game, by the way. Um, and then Ohio yeah. State is not as good, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, as we thought they were going to be. Again, first game of the year, Um, Georgia put up three offensive points against us last year and goes on to win the national championship. Um, Mm -hmm. 2000, what was it, 19, where we lost to LSU in the national championship game. They struggled at the beginning of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's hard to measure these things by one game at the beginning of the season. That's Um, what we're here to do. (laughs) That's all we can do. It's week one recap. All right. But we're, but those two teams are not going to look the same at the end of the year that they as they did in this game. Like by the time we play Notre Dame, their offense is going to be improved as they start to gel. Their offensive line should be better as they, especially on the interior, as they get some guys back. Um, it's going to be a, a a tough game for sure. But as long as we stay healthy mm-hmm. um, and our offense continues to show improvement, I still feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, um, I I think we can hang on the field with both of those opponents. It was my biggest takeaway from that game. Yeah, yeah. Looking at our game. All right. Why don't we move on to the next opponent who I think we all feel is probably next on the list. NC state. 
they went into a house of horrors for them. Greenville, North Carolina against DCU. They needed a missed PAT. And it was either a blocked or a missed field goal at the end of regulation to escape with a victory. Um, easy for fans to look at that and be like, oh, if they can't handle a group of five middling Sunbelt team in ECU, how are they going to handle Clemson's defense? How are they going to move the ball on, on this team? You know, how are they going to keep our talented offense out of the end zone? I don't think th- this team we saw this Saturday is going to be the team we face in Death Valley in a month. But with that said, sure was good to see Dave Jordan sweat. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think back to in 2016 where we were like down to the wire versus Troy at home. And it was like, you know, we went on to win the Natty that year. But like, so it is risky, like making these snap judgments. But more importantly than being right is how good it felt to watch Dave Dorn and the whole fan base start to get really uncomfortable. And well, everybody loves to hate Dave Dorn. I mean, it's his own doing. Uh, Clemson has some payback um, that is that's due his way this season they're not going to have a lot of great tune-ups before us they've got charleston southern next they do have texas tech at home which will be a a decent opponent i think we will learn something about nc state in that game but then they have uconn the week before us um so a very light schedule they're not going to be very well battle tested um uh when the by the time they come into death valley so uh we'll see dave dorn's the type of coach that can uh can kind of exceed expectations at times when expectations are low. And then when expectations are high, he falls flat on his face and starts making up stuff about laptops and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope Davo's got a cigar waiting on him. Yeah. In that game. Maybe, maybe I got a Cuban here, actually. Maybe I'll go ahead and send that to Davo. <laughs> so he's got one. Good idea. Yeah. I, I do believe the coaching staff is going to have some things up their sleeve for that NC state matchup. Um, another team that maybe surprised us a little bit, at least in terms of the outcome of their game, Florida state went into, into new Orleans, uh, came away with victory against LSU. I thought Florida state actually dominated this game early Mm -hmm. on and a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball, really sloppy, somewhat poorly coached teams, somewhat green talent, um, especially on the FSU side, but they held their own in a hostile environment and came away Mm -hmm. with a win. Uh, their quarterback, Travis, He's a gamer. Looked good. Looked good. Um, they've they've definitely turned some of their transfers into quality starters there. So hats off to Norvell for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to FSU a week after BC, two weeks after NC State. That's a place where Clemson had the COVID cancellation at the last minute. A lot of bad blood still brewing from that one. So that'll be mm-hmm. an interesting game. But I guess what I would say, guys, is I did not expect Florida State to show that level of fight. Again, a lot of season left. They can definitely prove themselves to be frauds here, but uh, they sure think they're back. Well, I think we should also remember that LSU sucks, and yes, we Bri- should. Brian yes. Kelly is for anybody else seems like the worst possible mm-hmm. fit for that program <laughs> no, culturally. Culturally, it makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Well, um, Napier's doing well at Florida. They could have hired Napier out of their backyard, but they didn't even yeah, interview him. It, that was. When, when Brian Kelly goes, that AD is probably going too, if not before Brian Kelly. I just love that now when LSU loses, you, I can enjoy sad Brian Kelly and sad LSU fans at the exact same time, and that's worth it. So that's yeah, worth Mo- the hire. Notre Dame won that coaching 
carousel yeah. shake up there. That shakeup. Marcus yeah. Freeman looks like the re- real deal. The way he had that team at least mentally prepared going into a hostile environment environment at Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah, I, I mean FSU was poised to go up by it was uh, what twenty four seventeen, and they were on the one yard line. Oh yeah, FSU right. did a toss to the running back, and the running back fumbles it and recovers it, and so you know they would have gone up. Uh, you know, it'd been thirty one seventeen, and there was like two a minute left, two minutes left. So, I mean, we could be, had they not made that mistake, we could be going like, oh yeah, they went in the hostile environment and they beat them, you know, 31, 17, yeah. 31, 17 in their backyard, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Well, let's also not forget about Wake Forest ranked 23 Mm -hmm. right now. They have Sam Hartman coming back for some blood coming back. Um, Yeah. And even they handled their business. They handled Uh, their business against VMI. Like they should. We're at, we're, You know, in Winston-Salem, which is just a miserable place to play. All I can ever remember is the rain game with Gaines Adams. That always sticks in my head with the um, with the block punt or whatever that he took back for the score to put us ahead. Um, so that's always my memory of Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. It's just miserable conditions, black and gold fan base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, a, it's not an exciting place to play, and I think you see that in kind of the the excitement level of the team and their intensity going in there. So that, that could be a trap game ahead of NC state because you know, that game is circled on. Um, <laughs> yeah. We wrecked their season last year uh, for Wake Forest. So um, yeah, Dave Clawson definitely wants to get that signature win against Clemson. I agree, Ben, that could be a trap game. So we shouldn't look past that one. Um, but I don't know. I kind of feel like Wake is like in that third tier in the ACC Atlantic still, mm-hmm. who knows Hardman can come out against Vandy this weekend, or I don't know who their kind of prep matchup will be right before Clemson, but Liberty. Um, Liberty. Okay. <laughs> Man, they're really making the rounds in the state of Virginia. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I'm not ultra concerned about wake necessarily, but Hartman is fairly talented. I just mm-hmm. think um, we might even have XT back for that game. So um, sure. Not too concerned. What about Miami guys? They, uh, they're up to what number 15 now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a believe it when I see it kind of thing with Miami always, but yep. um, Cristobal new head coach, Tyler Van Dyke, solid quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about all I know at this point, they're going to get some tests here. We'll see if they're the real deal or not, but I guess you could probably say Miami's probably like potentially a little better than we had thought coming into this season. I think that's good for Clemson. It's going to provide, you know, a good coastal test on this schedule. We're going to have it the Notre Dame game and the NC state game. So probably have three persistently ranked teams by the end of the year, which will be good. Um, hopefully even with one loss on the schedule, that'll still get Clemson into the playoff. Yeah. They, yeah. they play Southern miss next week. And then the week after that, Miami plays A&M and then oh. middle Tennessee, then UNC Virginia tech, Duke, Virginia, like their schedule yeah. doesn't garbage look schedule. Hard. Yeah, yeah, AM, that'll be a talent game. A&M. That'll yeah, be an right. interesting game because AM AM did not look that great in their win this past weekend. Mm. Yeah, I think quarterback protection is going to be their problem. Um, at, at AM, just, and just quarterback, more. they just got to pay mm-hmm. more guys, you know. That's true. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on with the price of oil though, Ben. That might impact things. True, true. Uh, the only yeah. other game I, I wanted to call out in the matchup, or there are actually two, we can like whip through these. Boston <laughs> College lost to Rutgers. See ya. DC, Rutgers sucks. And then Louisville, 
got their ass kicked by Syracuse. Scott Satterfield's gone. He's gone. Yeah. His 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 mind's already at the door. He's got one foot mm-hmm. out the door. Yeah. So as much as we thought, oh, maybe Louisville will be that like fourth tier pesky punch above their weight. Probably not if you lose like that to Syracuse. But I, they I do have an X factor in Malik Cunningham, um, who can turn it up. Um, you know, in, in high intensity situations. Dino Babers has to be on the hot seat this year and is kind of just throwing everything at it <laughs> in his last hurrah. So um, yeah. we'll see. I think more that's probably some some coaching athletic de- uh, department dysfunction going on at Louisville more than anything else. That's fair. They spent a lot of time, you know, with luxury vehicles and private jets. Not a lot of time with playbooks or yeah. recruiting. No. I do want to make a call out to the last game of the regular season and um, little little school in Columbia that all offseason talked about how Spencer Rattler was going to be the greatest transfer quarterback of all time, was going to lead them to win the SEC East, cruise through the SEC East. And then here comes the rankings after the first week, and Spencer Rattler is the last-ranked quarterback in the SEC. You know, Jared, so, I am so – happy to finally have somebody on the show that hates South Carolina and loves picking on them as much as I do. <laughs> have you seen the whole, whole deal with them trying to rename their rooster? And oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then so... they ended up going back to the original Big name. Sir Big Spur. What? I mean, how do you take them seriously in anything? Like I literally, how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think anyone, you know, if you're from South Carolina, obviously it's like, Hey, if I'm at the gas station and I'm wearing a Clemson shirt and I'm in, you know, Lexington or, you know, Richmond County or Columbia or Mo, any of that area, you know, it could be a tense checkout as you get your uh, Gatorade and cigarettes or whatever it is. So it's real down there. And even though they almost always suck, it's still like, they still want to believe, which well, I respect. They're, they're going to believe something after these next two games. They've got at Arkansas this weekend and then at home against Georgia the following weekend. So, yeah, Good we'll luck. see. Rattler, Good luck to you. Sir Deadcock, or <laughs> Sir, yeah, Chicken Little, yeah, Chicken Little, Cock, cock. Pretender. They should call it Cock yeah. Pretender. Oh yeah, the Cock Pretender. I like that. Private Cock. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, week two, it's going to be Furman, guys. I think I'm, I think I got Clemson in that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over, whatever it is. I'll take the Tigers. Um, we'll be back to recap that show. Obviously, all the college football action coming up this weekend. Um, yeah, good to be back. Good to have both of you back on the show. College football, it's nice. It, so many memes from this weekend. Very enjoyable uh, Thursday to Monday. It's going to be tough moving into this weekend with just like the Thursday through Saturday stretch, but uh, we will survive somehow um, in this one. Um, so good. Any big matchups you guys are looking at? Alabama, Texas is not, uh, that's a noon game on Fox by design. Uh, it's going to be over in the first quarter. Um, are there any yeah. interesting games out there? Um. Hmm. Nope. That's probably it. I mean, watching Kentucky, South Carolina Florida. get schooled by Arkansas. Yeah. You got Tennessee and Pitt, two ranked teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, AM App State, man. Chase Bryce, dude. Like, what a baller. I yeah, 
I, God, they put up like how many points in the fourth quarter? 42 or something like that? Six touchdowns in the it fourth quarter. Absolutely amazing. Chase Bryce, like, my God, I hope he comes back home to Clemson at some point one day. And hell, maybe he ends up in like holding a clipboard in an NFL roster for a few preseason games. Who knows? But love that kid. Um, no, man. Uh, Terrell, Owen, or Terrell Owens is out there saying he, he looks like an NFL quarterback. So nice. Little uh, love. Played for quite a lot of NFL quarterbacks. At, at State, Chase Bryce is going to uh, College Station to play AM. So that yeah, would be special. a crazy game. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, you got <clears throat> UK, Florida. We'll see if Florida can keep it up against another ranked opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richardson looked good. Because um, Utah's legit. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That. That was an impressive showing from Utah, I thought, in a tough road spot. They dropped a lot in the rankings compared to where how I feel like they should they should have dropped there. Um, I think they'll be back, but who knows? Pac-12 is weird. Yeah, I think I saw Kentucky-Florida. This matchup is the first time they were both ranked since uh, 2007 oh, or 17. I could be messing that up, but it's it's been a while since they've both been ranked. Probably 2007. That was Tebow era. And uh, the Pillsbury throw boy. Before that. Oh my god, have you seen him recently? <laughs> Jesus, he's no, like... he died. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have not seen him recently. No, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot yeah, about have some that. Respect for the throw boy family. I, um, always like watching him play. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, anyways, moving on. Venables keeping an eye on him, <laughs> had a good debut. Yep, in Oklahoma, he plays, he plays Kent State. This week, so it should be another massacre. USC Stanford. Mm-hmm. Little Pac-12. Uh, there's, there's, there's some stuff to watch. You know, Notre Dame saved this past college football weekend by giving Ohio State um, a run for their money. And yeah, because Oregon sure did not mm-hmm. do so against Georgia. Freaking Oregon, y'all. We could go <laughs> to the Stanford game. The US USC is ranked ten. Stanford. It's at you know Stanford Stadium down the road. I'm going to Legoland. Sorry. Uh, I'd rather get monkeypox than go to a <laughs> maybe, game. I, I could maybe go to the San Diego State game against Idaho State uh, Saturday. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Stanford's so boring. I did watch Oregon get beat there last year. That was the one game. Oh, you went year. to that game. I was there for that game. Yep. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's your schedule breakdown by the podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week to do the same thing for week three. Recap the Furman game, kind of check in on the state of college football. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, you can catch more from us on our social media accounts. We are on Twitter, at Clemson Podcast. We're also on Facebook. Occasionally, we'll post over there as well, if that's your preferred platform of choice. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you've not yet done so, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. That is how we get found. That is that is really the best way for you to support the show um, and help us out as we seek to grow our listener base. Also, tell a friend, maybe. Tell a relative, someone that likes Clemson, wants to learn about the team a little bit more, hear the banter. We're here for it. Um, thanks for tuning in. Like we mentioned earlier in the show, this is our eighth season doing shows here. We started right before Clemson's first playoff run. Um, occasionally, we'll try to take credit for that. But uh, it's been really fun. We appreciate everyone for sticking through it, sticking through out our run with us, wherever and whenever you joined um, the listener base. We really appreciate it. Anything else to add, boys, before we wrap it? Good to be back. 
I'm just glad to no longer be dissociating everything and uh, finally be back paying attention to Clemson football. Yes, we are back. I know it's just after week one, but these seasons fly by. So uh, let's enjoy it. You know, we've, we've got a lot, lot to look forward to from this team. What do you always tell me, Jarrett? The West is yet to come. That's right. Mr. Goodwin, the West is yet to come. All right, we will wrap it there. Thanks to everyone. And as always, go Tigers. Yeah, I like the three-man shows too. It's just so much easier to spread the load around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially when one of them's not Cody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Cody is gonna uh, He's catching he, strays left and right. <laughs> he he is catching strays. He's like Mister uh, Pillsbury Throwboy over here, just ripped <laughs> in peace. Is Cody dead? <laughs> I don't think so. They haven't no. prosecuted January six yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um.